What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Monday to you. We're getting awfully close to this NFL draft. A week and a half from now, next Thursday, things kick off with the first round, rounds two and three on Friday, and rounds four through seven on Saturday. As it stands, the Bills have seven picks, one in the second, third, fourth, fifth, two in the sixth, and a seventh round pick. So we don't expect the Bills to pick on Thursday night as their first pick is scheduled to come at 54 overall. That is in the second round. Now, Brandon Bean likes to wheel and deal and move up the board, but I don't know that he'll get to 32 or higher or that he should. In fact, we should always be reminded that the Bills did make their first round pick already this year. It's Stephon Diggs. The Bills got a number one receiver with pick 22, which was the goal, and they got a, um, a young player in their prime in Stephon Diggs. That is exactly what this offense needs. And so when you think about the Bills not picking at 22, remind yourself they did. They picked Stephon Diggs, and it's a slam dunk pick. But with the Bills not picking until 54, um, I feel burdened to get into a lot of names, right? It's it's as unpredictable as can possibly be given the fact that uh, there's going to be a lot of players off the board and before the Bills pick. And, you know, it's it's easy. Last year when we were having this conversation at number nine overall, it, it was a, a smaller list of guys to get into. And with it being pick 54, I wanted to take some time here today to uh, ask you for your players that you're interested in, and not necessarily at 54 at any point in the draft. So I put out a tweet on Sunday through the Locked On Bills account, which you guys can follow at Locked On Bills on Twitter. And I said, hey, send send me names. You know, are there are there names that you're seeing linked to the Bills? Are there players from your favorite college football team that you want to hear us talk about on this podcast? And so. Uh, tons of participation per usual, and we've got a lot of names to get into. And so today what I want to do is spend the show responding to as many names as we can that uh, you guys are interested in in terms of how they would fit with the Buffalo Bills. And as I've said before, I really like talking prospects through the lens of a team. I, I do draft work, obviously, and it's so much in a vacuum where – when you give me an opportunity to link it to a team, I think it creates for better discussion about those players, helps you really value those players in the right range, and talk about how they can fit a specific scheme and locker room. And so that's what we'll get a chance to do here with all the names that were sent in on Sunday evening. So here we go. First one, Nathan Bonner brought up two West Virginia players. The first one is Kenny Robinson, a safety, and Colton McKivich, um, an offensive lineman. Kenny Robinson is very interesting to me. Um, he was dismissed from the team in 2018 due to academic fraud, and he went and played for the XFL this past year and obviously a very condensed season. And so he started for two years at West Virginia. His second year, he was an all-Big 12 defender. And the name of the game with Kenny Robinson is ball skills, size, and athletic ability. And I really like those traits about him. If you can play him on the back end, I think you have some man coverage upside in the slot. He can serve as a single high safety and break on the football. He's got good range and good instincts breaking on the ball. And he's willing to attack downhill and tackle. The problem is he doesn't always square up and get himself in the most favorable positions to tackle, but he's absolutely willing. And so the ball skills are really kind of the the – the big draw here, and he made an interception against the D.C. defenders in an XFL game that I watched that I thought was um, a beautiful display of his ball skills where he kind of played right through the receiver and, and scooped it very low, like fingertips on the ground, 
uh, while his body was kind of like contorted in the other direction, it really spoke to natural hands and ability to play the football. And I think, you know, he'll probably be a mid-round guy. Um, you do want to vet out what happened there at West Virginia and why he left and what that academic fraud was about. But at the end of the day, I think you can get a third, fourth, maybe fifth round steal here, a guy that should start. And when you talk about safeties that can play one high, that does so much for your defense because it allows you to have more defenders down low. And he's got ball skills and range to play over top. Plus, he's physical. And those are good traits to have, and he's got good size. So Kenny Robinson um, – I like him as a safety. When you apply him to the Bills, you you know it's a deal where Poyer and Hyde are together for two more years. So um, I don't know what his course to getting on the field would be. Maybe you could play him uh, in some sub packages if you want to go three safeties. Maybe you look for him as a slot player. I think he's a cleaner projection to playing slot than Kyle Duggar. So if you thought Kyle Duggar was this positionless freelance roamer type player, maybe you you can get the same type of thing out of Kenny Robinson. Colton McKivich would be a late-round offensive tackle prospect. I don't have a draftable grade on him. I think in terms of uh, just power, core strength, uh, ability to stay square, he just kind of misses the mark, and he's an experienced player. So I don't know how much room he has to get better. I think he's a bit maxed out, and so he would be an underwhelming late-round offensive line pick in my view. The Bills guys brought up a name here, John Hightower, and I'm glad this name came up because – uh, I've been asked about him before, and I didn't have an answer because I hadn't watched his tape. Now, now that I'm pretty deep into my studies, I mean, obviously with a week and a half to go, I've, I'm, I'm, I've got 250 or so evals done, so I've, I've seen most of the players. John Hightower from Boise State, this wide receiver, I like him a ton. Now, he's really fast. His play speed, I think he clocked like a 4-4, 40-yard dash, but I think he plays that on the field. So, like, he didn't run 4-3. He ran pretty damn close, but I think his his speed with pads on is really, really special. Gets loose. He can get behind the secondary, and I love that. I think he'll really put a lot of stress on defenses, and he can take the top off and um, kick return ability, and he should be able to create. Like, he, he's good after the catch, so I think you'll get some, some uh, touches in space for him that will be appealing. I will say that... He's pretty under-polished. Um, the deception in his routes isn't there. He's a guy that really relies on his speed to get open. And um, he has very inconsistent ball skills and tracking. So you'll see some moments where this guy gets loose and he gets down the field and he just doesn't haul it in. I mean, kind of, kind of reminiscent of a TJ Graham where – you see the speed, but you just don't see the ability to finish consistently enough. So this is why he's not a super highly regarded prospect because big playability uh, down the field and after the catch is something that is highly coveted in the NFL. You see players like Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, Jalen Rager from TCU as guys that can do that but aren't necessarily the most polished guys. John Hightower is that, but you know, just the the inconsistency with the hands and ball skills are, are the causes from for concern. And so if you can live with those lows, I think you'll get some highs. And obviously he's got some room to develop in a really exciting athletic profile. So you can do, I mean, if you bring him into the bills, he's your wide receiver four. you think about him in the Robert Foster role. I mean, in a lot of ways, he's very Robert Foster esque. And, um, you know, I think that's really where his value could come, but obviously a ceiling there that exists for him to improve. Uh, Colin says, James Morgan, that's a quarterback from Florida International. If you want to get me excited about a late-round quarterback to come in and develop as potential backup, 
this is a guy that moves the needle for me. He's got a big arm and uh, enough, just enough there for me to believe that there's a ceiling to develop. I think a lot of times when you get into some of these later quarterbacks, you get guys that are super underdeveloped in terms of their mental processing or don't quite have the physical skills that you're looking for. Morgan is that ball of clay that I think gives you a chance. So I don't think he has a super high ceiling, but there's there's enough there that if the Bills were to take a quarterback on day three, I would hope that it was James Morgan. Uh, Buffalo Chills has some names here. Michael Divinity Jr. from LSU. Uh, this is a hard pass for me. He's a... He's a line. He's played linebacker for them, like Sam and Mike linebacker, um, three four outside linebacker. He's played some defensive end, and I'll just tell you, I, I don't. I don't think he has any redeeming qualities at any one position that I would use a draft pick on him. Um, multiple f- failed drug tests his last season at LSU, um, and it kind of felt like uh, he was off the team, and then because they were. In the, in the thick of a championship run, he came back. It was kind of a funky situation, but I don't know that he made enough plays for it to really matter. So I just think he's kind of an ordinary player that's kind of positionless, that doesn't have a great athletic profile, and has some you know some red flags about him. So for me, Michael Divinity is, is an undraftable player and um, one that I wouldn't mess with. Uh, Buffalo Chills brings up DJ Dallas. This is a running back from Miami. Now, this is a name I like. Uh, you talk about late. Uh, late day three, maybe middle of day three as a running back. DJ Dallas is really fun. I'll tell you this. He's not super nuanced. Uh, I think he's got some work to do in terms of the way he presses the line of scrimmage and the way that he works to manipulate the second level. But this might be the hardest runner in the class. And I love the way he competes, the way he challenges tacklers with pad level and keeps his legs going and and really just kind of grinds it out for every inch. And then he's got some upside as a face-up pass protector, but also can catch the football a little bit. So his game lacks polish, but I think he's got enough juice and a ton of power that it intrigues me. And we we know that Brandon Bean wants a downhill runner uh, to to complement Devin Singletary. And I think this, in terms of a later round option, in terms of a true competitor, you would really love to get a guy like DJ Dallas and then he mentions uh, Buffalo Chills also brought up Michael Turk, punter from uh, Arizona State. Yes, absolutely. I think he'd be an upgrade at punter, and I, I would love for the Bills to get him or Braden Mann or uh, Arian Sipos or Sterling Hoffrichter or whoever uh, to come in and, and unseat Corey Bohorquez. But I'm a little bit nervous based on them bringing in Kari Vedvik that I'm going to get my hopes of a punter investment in this year's draft. Uh, Tony Barton's got some names for us. Trayvon Diggs, the first one, cornerback from Alabama. Uh, interesting, some some stuff came out f- uh, regarding him Sunday uh, from Mel Kuyper that he thinks there's a chance he could fall to the third round and that teams are just kind of all over the place on Trayvon Diggs. And that makes sense based on his tape because his tape is all over the place. There's some really exciting flashes. Uh, he, his ball skills are very good. He's got good size. There's some zone instincts that you like. But at the end of the day, I mean, there was just times where teams went after him and he couldn't answer it. And they challenged him to tackle and he missed the mark. They challenged him to stay in phase. And um, uh, you know, when he was isolated 1v1 and went after him and, and, and exposed him a bit. And so um, he's a player that's converting over from wide receiver. And so you, you like to think that maybe with more time on task that he can get better. But I think his tape is very inconsistent. Um, he'll wind up probably going somewhere on day two, but I don't think it's – 
as sure of a thing as maybe some people thought when you watch his highlight reel and see his really nice interceptions. When you watch his entire tape and you watch him on a snap-to-snap basis, you can come away with some reasonable concerns. And so, you know, a guy that some people believe is potentially a first-round pick, Mel Kuyper says he can go into the third round. The truth is probably in the middle, and that means the Bills at 54 are in play. And I know that Stefan Diggs being his brother is something that's going to be appealing and interesting, but I think at the end of the day, he's not a very polished prospect, and when you pick him, you're betting on yourself to really get his game to the next level. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, on the Wednesday show, Bruce Nolan is joining me, and we go heavy into cornerbacks, and he's got some pretty pretty hard takes when it comes to Trayvon Diggs, so uh, don't miss that coming up on Wednesday. Uh, Tony has a couple more here. Zach Moss running back from Utah. I think he's uh, he's an NFL runner. You watch him and that you say that's an NFL running back. Good downhill runner, uh, has enough technique to win outside, even though he doesn't have great athleticism. Should be good in, ca- in pass protection, and he can catch the football. And so when you think RB2 behind Devin Singletary, this is a player that at 86 overall really makes a lot of sense to me. Now, he's got some injuries. That's kind of been the deal with him. A lot of injuries throughout the course of his career, um, but um, – in a, in a non-featured role, maybe you can feel like uh, some of those aren't as concerning and you can get you know uh, at least a rookie contract out of him as a very high-quality RB2. Tony also brings up Michael Pittman Jr. from USC, a wide receiver, um, big physical receiver that can get loose vertically, good ball skills, good hands. I mean, he doesn't drop anything. A fairly good route runner. I don't think he's going to have a whole lot of success on the horizontal plane, but on vertical cuts and and, uh, that type of stuff, he's going to be really, really uh, outstanding. And so I think he's probably a top 40 pick, maybe a top 50 pick. Uh, If the Bills want him, it it would be either a trade-up or at 54. Uh, And you'd have to ask yourself, you know, is, is this the type of weapon that the Bills need to round out their skill players on offense that would really, you know, just solidify everything around Josh Allen with that size receiver. And I think in a lot of ways, yes, he would be an ideal pick. Um, It's just, you know, how many targets is wide receiver four for the Bills going to get? And I think the answer is probably 25 to 35. And so is that enough return? And and well, maybe not in year one, but the idea that you keep investing in young skill players is something that I can get behind. And I think the value would be fine. And I've said, repeatedly over the last few weeks that I'm not going to get married to positions or anything like that. I just want good players. And so while I don't think wide receiver is a big need for the bills, he's a good player and he's worth the pick and something because of that. I'm not, I'm just not going to poke holes in the idea. All right. Uh, next one here comes from Colin. Colin Alexander brings up some wide receivers. Uh, Brian Edwards from South Carolina is the first one. I like Brian Edwards a ton. He's got some injury stuff to go through right now. Uh, Big bodied, ball skills type player in a lot of ways, very similar to Michael Pittman. Uh, Has some punt return upside. I think he's good after the catch. Um, I will say that every time I think about Brian Edwards, I go back to his bowl game in 2018 against Virginia, and he went up against the two physical wide, uh, two physical cornerbacks, Tim Harris and Bryce Hall from Virginia. And I thought, I thought that. That was a good example of some concerns that I might have in terms of him being able to handle those uh, those guys that are willing to match his alpha qualities. So a uh, little bit of pause there, but I think at the end of the day, if he was healthy, we'd be talking about Brian Edwards as a top 50 pick. And so you love that ability to, to work as a big slot in addition to outside and win after the catch, ball skills are there, and he can p- return punts. So there's a lot of value to a player like that. 
Brandon Ayuk, um, super underpolished player. I mean, like his routes are bad. He can't get off uh, press coverage. But if you get him in the slot and you get him the football, he's explosive. He's dynamic. He's tough to get down in the open field. He can get vertical, and he can win in the return game. So big play potential is absolutely there with Ayuk. He brought up Michael Pittman, who I've discussed already. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a player he brought up. I like Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think he's a true outside receiver, physical. I love his straight line speed. I think he's explosive. I think he can win above the rim. Uh, I think you can get him in, in tight areas, whether that's the red zone, and ask him to go get the football by elevating or ask him to uncover very quickly and, and, and really run a steep angle and get loose on a slant. I think he can do those things for you. So in a lot of ways, the stuff we talk about with Michael Pittman, you can apply them to Donovan Peoples-Jones um, and uh, get a very similar skill set maybe at 86. And then he also brings up Chase Claypool, which is a player that I get asked about a lot. He's from Notre Dame, big dude, runs 4-3. Um, he's a player that if you want to get him involved uh, down the field on you know vertical routes, goal balls, you know skinny posts, that type of stuff, he gives you a chance. You can use him on drag routes and get him the football and ask him to go be a big dude and, and plow through bodies. But again, like if you're gonna if you're gonna ask him to run hitch routes and uh, quick comebacks, backs or quick ins or quick outs or button hooks, that, that those aren't gonna be stuff he can do. I, I mean, like if you're gonna put Byron Jones over top of Chase Claypool and ask him to get open on a hitch, it just won't happen. So um, he's got great straight line speed, but you know it's it's the it's the agility, it's the ability to sink his hips and cut. You know, that's the stuff that he's just not going to be able to do very well, but that's okay because there are other ways that he can win. So you have to recognize the ways that he can win, get him the football in those areas. Um, but you know, he's just not a, a do everything type player. And so, um, you know, I, I think he might go very high just based on his size and his, his athleticism, you know, the, the 40 yard dash that he ran. But, um, I think that there are some limitations here that we have to admit when we talk about Chase Claypool, although if you put him in that certain type of role, I think he can present some value. Uh, other names here, uh, Nate said, would like to hear a deeper dive into running backs Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins. I don't want to pass the buck on this, but Bruce Nolan and I did a very extensive deep dive conversation on those two running backs and all of the top five running backs in this class. So go check that one out in the podcast feed. You'll, you'll get a very comprehensive discussion. I'd love either one of them at 54. Uh, to give you kind of a high-level uh, thoughts on them, John Taylor, uh, you know, almost 230 pounds, runs 4-3, uh, showed the ability to catch the football this past year. Perfect compliment to Devin Singletary. If he's there at 54, I'd pick him in a heartbeat. And then J.K. Dobbins is my RB1. I think he's a downhill runner. He can win outside. He's got speed. Uh, he could take it to distance. He's good in pass pro. He has great hands. I think he's a do-everything back that um, has really good nuance, really good spatial awareness. I think he'll be a really productive player at the next level. So either one of those guys at 54 would be dreams for me. Um, we got some more players. Brandon, Brandon Mann's asked about again, Chase Claypool. Uh, here's some some new names for us. Julian Aquara, Notre Dame pass rusher. This is from Norman. And then uh, Curtis Weaver, defensive end from uh, Boise State. Julian Aquara, speed rusher. Uh, I love that element that he brings. If you're looking for first step quickness, flexibility to turn the corner, second gear to the football, 
you get that from Julian Aquara. I think he does a good job using his length, keeping separation, and really uh, relying on that athletic ability, those finesse-type moves to go get the quarterback. Now, he doesn't give you anything in terms of a bull rush, and he can't play the run, so there's that. But situational speed rush, give me Julian Aquara for that. Uh, Curtis Weaver, uh, interesting player. He's from Boise State, super productive. He's a technician. So you're not going to watch him, and, and I think you, you're not going to say, oh, wow, that's a really quick-twitch athlete that's going to put stress on offensive tackles to keep pace with him up the arc. But what you do get from Curtis Weaver is really good footwork, really good hand usage, really good angles, power at the point of attack, all that type of stuff to really be a technician rushing the passer. So if you can open your mind to other ways of rushing the passer and getting home, I think you can buy into what Curtis Weaver offers. I think he's more of an option at 86, though, than 54. Uh, Van Jefferson, uh, wide receiver from Florida. This is sent in from UK Bills. Uh, this is a really polished route runner, really good hands. Um, I mean, as solid as they come. He's got an injury thing he's working on right now, but um, – you know, if you think about like a Rashard Higgins type player in the NFL, uh, what he showed from the Browns, I think back in was it 2018, I think that's the type of player you can get out of out of Van Jefferson. So a guy that you have no worries about um, him separating. He's a polished route runner. He has good hands, and um, I think that he'll he'll be a clutch receiver in the NFL. A son of obviously uh, wide receiver coach, so he's he's polished up. He plays like he's the son of a wide receivers coach in the NFL. All right, next name here comes from Samantha, who brings up Jonathan Grenard. Uh, that's a defensive end from Florida, transferred in from Louisville. I like Jonathan Grenard. I think at 86, he'd be a good good pick. Um, really good hands, really good power at the point of attack. Base end all day long. I think he'll set the edge. He'll be a solid run defender. I like his inside pass rush moves. I don't know that, know that he'll be consistent getting around the outside hip of offensive tackles because he's a little tight, but... I think if you wanted to replicate some of the stuff the Bills were able to do with Shaq Lawson, then Jonathan Grenard is a player that is very interesting. Uh, WWE Tweets brings up Jeremy Chin. That's a safety from Southern Illinois. He's a player I've talked about a bit here on this podcast, and, and the, the appeal there for me is positionless defensive player. And if you were to kind of add this sub-package element where – you use a player like Chin as a neutralizer. Put him over uh, over a guy like Travis Kelsey in the slot where he's got the size and athleticism to compete with him. Uh, have him spy the quarterback. Have him uh, shoot gaps and really just take advantage of size and athletic ability and physicality. That stuff is going to be exciting. Now, he's underdeveloped as a player. His mental processing isn't there, but if you give him specific assignments situationally, I think you can bring a lot of value and add a different element and dynamic to your defense. Let's see here. Got a lot of names we've been asked about. Um, Kyle Duggar. I've talked about Kyle Duggar a bit. We get into him again on Wednesday. I, I think you just have to keep in mind his tape, and he's the safety from Lenore Ryan. At, at Lenore Ryan, he played 20 yards off the ball, slow played, and then just triggered downhill and blew stuff up. And that's really fun to watch. But it's not translatable to the NFL. So he's just like Jeremy Chin in terms of 
positionless defensive player. You got to use him situationally. But if you think he's going to come in and be this Buffalo nickel, this slot player, then it's it's not something that you can watch his Lenore Ryan tape and and and, and think he can do it because uh, he's never been asked to play any type of role like that. And it's a big jump from him coming from uh, Lenore Ryan to the NFL. Um, Antonio Gibson, he's a he's a running back slash wide receiver from Memphis. I like him best at wide receiver. I think he's got like 13 touchdowns on 77 career touches. Like he didn't get many chances to make plays until this past year, and then nobody could stop him. Whether it was getting down the field, catching the football, running routes, and and, and uh, breaking tackles, or just kind of being used in reverses and different things like that, he made big plays. And so uh, I think he'd be one hell of a fun player to get in the Isaiah McKenzie role and maybe even do more with. Uh, you, you think about a player like Curtis Samuel, who the Panthers drafted high in the second round a couple years ago. Um, I think this is like the the dreamy scenario of a Curtis Samuel, uh, similar type athlete, but bigger and I think more dynamic. So um, I think if you're looking for a true X factor for your offense, go get uh, uh, Antonio Gibson from Memphis. Uh, Stefan Diggs season also brings up Elton Robinson. He's a defensive end from Syracuse. I like Elton Robinson. I think um, you see a lot of examples on film where he gets hip to hip with offensive tackles. He gets a step on offensive tackles and um, it, it's because he has good footwork and because he does set up a good pass rush move. But the problem is he doesn't have the core strength to press the angle. And it's very frustrating because you're like, oh, he's going to get a sack here. And then he just gets washed. And what it comes down to is he's got to be able to continue diminishing his surface area, get stronger throughout his core, get stronger in his legs, and that way he can press those angles and not get washed because I get so frustrated how many times it feels like he's got his man beat and he's got a clear lane to the quarterback, and then all of a sudden just a little bit of contact bumps him off his path. And so that's a that's a big red flag for his, his strength. But if he can get stronger, I think he can play. You talk fourth round, I can get behind uh, uh, Alton Robinson. Michael Ujamudie, another player that uh, is brought up here. He's a cornerback from Iowa. I think he's a very natural projection to a zone defense. Um, he's got good size. He's physical. He's got ball skills. And he's experienced playing cover two at Iowa. Uh, you have him leveraged over routes. You have him cue the backfield, work into throwing lanes. He's, a you know, in a lot of ways, I think – the the ideal cornerback for a Sean McDermott defense. So uh, he's probably in no man's land because like he should go after 54 but before 86. But if he gets to 86, I think he's an easy pick. And he's also somebody that I think you could potentially look to trade up from 86 to go get. Um, some offensive linemen here from Hector. Uh, Robert Hunt, he's from Louisiana. And Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Robert Hunt, my comp for him is, is Cody Ford. I think if you watch Cody Ford play at Oklahoma, you get Robert Hunt vibes. A really nasty dude, big, physical, long arms, and a guy you say, well, does he have the foot speed to play tackle? Probably not. He needs to play guard. So I think Robert Hunt could be what we think Cody Ford is if you get him a chance to play guard. So I think from a prototype perspective, the Bills will like Robert Hunt, uh, but you got to play him at guard. He's not going to make a living at tackle, but I have him as a day two grade, and somebody should take him there, and I think he can start. Jonah Jackson's the other one. Uh, Ohio State, I think he's a top 60 player in the class for sure. Uh, I think he's an absolute delight to watch in pass protection. He is a wall. He's the type of guy that is just not going to get beat. Um, Does a good job framing blocks, keeping guys at the edge of his reach, 
and he's just very consistent pass blocking, which matters a ton. Um, you wish he was a little more powerful, but I think he does a good job taking advantage of angles. He can pull, he can get out to the second level, uh, but he's just not going to be this dominant people mover, but he is a dominant pass blocker. So he's a starter to me. And, um, you know, we've talked about this right guard deal where John Feliciano is a free agent after this year, Spencer Long on a club option. Uh, you can see that there's a, a potential 2021 need for, for a, an offensive guard, and you kind of get ahead of it a bit here with a player like Jonah Jackson. Uh, here's some more names here. Kenny Willekes, a defensive end from Michigan State. And um, Kenny Willekes, I think he's really limited. You, you watch him play, and you love how hard he plays and uh, the urgency that he gets off the ball with and the physical plays that he makes and the effort that he shows – but, you know, at the end of the day, he's light. He doesn't have long arms. Guys live in his pads. Um, I just don't think he's going to be able to control reps at the point of attack in the NFL. So if you can get him to shoot a gap or uh, create a situation where his urgency and effort and quickness will matter, then sure, Kenny Willekes will be able to help you. But I think you have to scheme up opportunities for him. If you think that, like, with his lack of length and his modest play strength and his, you know, real – you know, just how guys just are all over his pads all the time. You think that's going to get around offensive tackles like Marcus Cannon and Orlando Brown and, uh, you know, Isaiah Wynn in the division. And I mean, I just don't, I don't feel like he translates to doing that. So to me, he's a mid day three guy. That's a rotational player that can help you on long, uh, long and late downs as, as a situational pass rusher. Justin Stranod, Wake Forest linebacker, super smart player, good athlete, Love him in zone coverage. I just think he has a natural feel for his landmarks, layering coverage, uh, route combinations, where to adjust where he is, uh, feels routes coming to his zone, squeezes lanes. I love him in zone coverage. Uh, I think he has good range. Got to learn to play through contact just a little bit better, be a little bit more consistent of a finisher. But uh, I think somewhere fourth round, maybe fifth round, somebody might have a chance at a starting linebacker in Justin Sternard. Uh, Jeremiah has some names here. UCLA, two from UCLA. Uh, one's running back Josh Kelly, and one is uh, cornerback Darnay Holmes. Josh Kelly to me is just a total check the box across the board ordinary running back, and that's okay. That'll that'll get you a solid depth player that you know exactly what you're getting. You know, I don't know that he stands out in any one area, but maybe being consistent across the board is a standout. So, mid round backup type running back with decent size. I like Josh Kelly for that. And then Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes is the biggest mixed bag on tape I think I've watched in this class. There are some high-level traits where he is taking care of guys like LaVisca Chenault and even CeeDee Lamb at times. And then there's other situations where he gets you know, kind of um, inconsistent and he, he guesses and he's out of position and he has some lapses. But um, if you take his best moments – you can see a really exciting player. So I think he comes into the conversation at 86, maybe in the fourth round. Guy that can probably uh, play nickel better than he can outside in the NFL. But uh, there's enough there that as a cornerback in, in a league where cornerbacks are at a premium, Darney Holmes has some value. I do think that he's got to find some more um, consistency. Uh, I got a couple more here that I want to touch on. Um, Brian brings up Isaiah Wilson, Tyler Biadas and Lucas Nang. Those are three offensive linemen. Isaiah Wilson, offensive tackle from Georgia. I will bet you the Bills love him. He's huge. 
Uh, he's got like 36 inch arms. He's a people mover. He plays with an edge. He's nasty. He's going to be a guy that from day one can create significant space in the run game. Now he's not consistent in pass pro. He's got slow feet. He doesn't have much uh, fluidity in the, his lower half. He's tight. And so that creates some problems, but he's a lot to get around. You know, like I said, almost 36 inch arms, he's huge. And so if he can quick set and um, really just get, get glued to guys quick in, in reps, they're going to be tough to, to get him off, uh, to get off of him and, and clear contact and finish. But if you're going to have a lot of play action, deeper drops, you know, and he's going to have to do true vertical pass sets, he's going to have a hard time. So um, I think he's got an, a ceiling to get better. But, you know, if I was a team like Tennessee, if I was a team like the Ravens, Seattle, even Miami, I think that that's a, a destination that I can get behind him. Um, just but because he does give me some worries, a little bit like Cody Ford in pass sets. Tyler Biadas, uh, he's an, a center from Wisconsin, very smart football player, um, was Dominant in 2018, absolutely dominant, but he's had some injuries, a shoulder injury, a hip injury, and I don't think he's been the same player. He fell off blocks like crazy uh, last season, and that's concerning. I just feel like his injuries right now have limited him a bit. So if he can get healthy and return to his 2018 form or 90% of his 2018 form, I mean, you got a really special football player, but if you get 2019 version of Beatis, he can't play. So he's a little bit of a mixed bag, might be a risk worth taking, uh, at the, at a certain point in the draft where you're just like, yeah, if he can get healthy and find his form, he's going to be so good. Um, and so that's that might be a player that interests me from kind of, you know, see how far he can fall and then swoop in and see if you get a steal for, you know, a modest investment. And then Lucas Nang, offensive tackle from TCU, another player I think the Bills will like because we know they like size, length, power. You get that from Nang. I think he's got good mobility for his size. That's really where his tape shines. Uh, you, you see him play, get out in space. You see him redirect and shuffle his feet and slide and mirror. He gives you all those abilities. Um, he's got a hip thing right now, I think, that he's working through. Um, wound up trying to play through it as a senior at, at TCU, um, but uh, got the best of him and he had to shut it down. And, and so we didn't get to see much from him in the all-star circuit or at the combine. But if you go back to his tape, particularly 2018, early portions of 2019, you get a good player. You know, to me, he'll be a top five, six offensive tackle in this class for me. And um, at 54, I can get behind it because I think he's a good football player that can help the team. Uh, Last guy I'll get into is a a very popular one for the Bills, Bryce Hall, cornerback from Virginia. I've talked about him a ton over the last two years. Um, Process guy through and through. Uh, Culture, leadership, football character, all that type of stuff. He's going to be a perfect fit for this locker room. He's an ideal zone cover. He's got zone zone corner. He's physical. He's rangy. He has great, great, great ball skills. Uh, the concern with him is, number one, he's coming off an injury. Uh, supposed to be back for training camp in July, but we don't know. Uh, that's his timetable. It sounds like he's on course, but... Uh, We haven't been able to see him test because he fractured his ankle late in the season in 2019. And the the concern with him is that, you know, he he doesn't have the great, he doesn't have great agility at the top of route. So, you know, if he has to kind of, kind of plant and drive and stay connected against a really twitchy receiver that can really sink their hips and drive and, and, uh, and hit hard horizontal cuts, Hall's going to have some challenge, but if you can ask him to play and press, stay leveraged over routes, use his physicality, pin routes to the sideline, uh, play in zone, you got a really exciting player, and that's the type of stuff that Sean McDermott's defense asked their cornerbacks to, to use. So he's not going to be a desirable player 
player for man-heavy teams, but for a, a zone-heavy team like the Bills, I think Hall is a perfect fit from a skill set perspective and from a, a character perspective. All right, that is going to do it for us today. I don't know if you can feel it, but I feel my voice is my voice is on the brink of of losing it, and I, and I gotta I gotta uh, shut it down here, or else I, I won't have uh, I won't have any gas left in the tank for the rest of the week because I have two daily podcasts uh, every day, and then I've got uh, some guest appearances this week on several podcasts. So I, I got to keep my voice um, fresh because it's, I, I feel like I'm losing it a bit here as I, as I close this podcast out today. So appreciate you sticking with me. Sorry if my voice was a little bit uh, inconsistent at times in this podcast, I feel like I'm fighting through it. I feel okay, but, um, I'm just talking a lot these days. It's draft season for me and uh, a lot of radio and, and podcast work. So, um, I got to keep my voice going. got to drink some honey tea or whatever people do to preserve their voice. So uh, thanks for sticking with me. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We've got Twitter Tuesday tomorrow, Bruce Nolan on Wednesday. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed, rate, review, share the podcast, and I'll be back again for you tomorrow.